0: Hey everybody. My name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now before we get started, I wanted to um first tell you two things. First, definitely go check out the previous episodes all about um all about all about all about all about the death of the kind of death of sex in um popular big blockbuster movies and kind of why that could be and all that stuff. That's called um that's the previous Sunday edition. It's in the feed and whatever app whatever podcast app you're using to list me right now. And it is called Sunday edition Let's Talk About Sex. Um and then the other one you should go check out if you haven't is all about Black Magic Sixty s M66, which is an old cyber I would think of it as a cyberpunk classic OVA from the eighties. Um it and if you are wondering like what a good lead into to this episode is. That would probably not be a bad one because this is a bit of a cyberpunk fiction thing itself. And on that note, let's get into what we're talking about, which is a little bit of an odd one for um, this podcast because it is actually an American animation, of all things. Um, not unheard of. I've, I've covered American properties on this podcast before. Usually... Live action things like Queen's Game, but this is going to be a show all about a little AMC Plus original that is you can go watch on High Dive right now called Pantheon. Who knows me? You're home early. The computers went down at work. Who are you talking to? I'm not. It's just a chat. With who? Uh, emo. And and who's emo? Just someone online who's been helping me. Let me see. No! No! It's not gonna work. How long has this been going on? Nothing is going on, Mom. What is this? What are these? That's all he uses. I thought you didn't know who he was. How do you know emo is a he? I don't. I just call him emo because he only talks in emoji. Do you have any idea how dangerous? He won't respond to. I, I got it. How do I get out of this? I don't know. It's it's not an app. It's like a root chat. What the hell? Mom? What are lips? A man's lips? What lips my lips have kissed and where and why? It's from a poem. What poem? damn way <sighs> Dr. Waxman, please. No, I don't have an extension. Peter Waxman, head of research, tell him it's Ellen Kim, he'll pick up. Ellen, what have you done with David? Oh, don't bullshit me, Pete. He just sent me a message on the computer. No, no, you hang up this phone and it is war. Just tell me the truth. What have you done with my husband? That make from Palo Alto. It's Waxman. Oh. We have a breach. Someone reached out to David Kim's family. Who? Who do you think? What do they know? Nothing they can prove. Didn't you say if we partitioned language processing, this wouldn't be an issue? (sighs) I told you, the brain is holonomic. You need to cut his network access now. Yeah, okay, you're right. But don't sound so nervous, Pete. This is a big step forward. Now, before we get started on talking about Pantheon, I want to take you through a brief history of original animations on on anime streaming platforms and why I think that Pantheon is among the best. Uh, it, it certainly sits up there with things like Castlevania or... Um, Really, Castlevania is the one that I think of, but or even something like something that ran literally last television se- season. Um, that I'm watching right now called Hit Monkey. Which, if you're not familiar with Hit Monkey, it is a original Marvel property that was produced by Disney, but because it is not of the Disney ilk, um, it is on Hulu and it probably worth your time. Like I, I watched the first episode and now I'm like. Halfway through that season, half halfway through the the first season, and it's got a new season coming. But suffice it to say that original original productions for streaming anime have been real rocky, and you can see this by the original productions that um, Funimation has done, and the original productions certainly that Crunchyroll had done. Now, Funimation, the original, the big original production that Funimation attempted, and they never, from what I can tell, really attempted this again, was a show called Dimension W. And Dimension W is, it's not terrible, but it's not great. There are people who tell you that it's terrible, and I get why they say that. I believe I've covered it on this podcast before, but it was sought out and primarily produced by Funimation with an idea that it would be a really successful western streaming property they could have been right it, the show itself was poorly paced and they had the ultimate death nail of they didn't get the they didn't get the music rights for the english dubbed version so if you watch if you Go and find um, Dimension W, which you can certainly find on Crunchyroll right now. And you watch—I They probably fixed this by now, but it used to be that if you watched the subtitled version, you got this absolute banger of an opening. Like, it was... It was great. It's by Stereo Dive, it's by Stereo Dive Foundation. It's, like all the character dancing clearly to the music. It's goddam it's goddamn incredible, honestly. It's like it's like a piece of animation that is beautiful in the in like its execution and concept. But that is wholly absent, or at least it was wholly absent from the dub on the Funimation um on the Funimation what's it called? On the Funimation Um, streaming channel, which means that people who would see that and then they would go proselytize about it in the world, the people who would be proselytized, proselytized too about this great opening would start that show and not get the opening. It cold opens for the dub. Because they couldn't get the music rights. And it's so clear that's what happened. And there's a long history of that happening in all kinds of weird fucking directions. Usually, hilariously, it is a Japanese license for an American song or a song by an American band that, because Japanese music licensing is a fucking nightmare, excludes use in anywhere, but in any other um, country except for Japan. So, like, if you're like, why does everybody think the Eden of the East opening rules? It's because it does. It was done. It was performed by Incubus. However, it was performed by a on a Japanese contract, so it can't travel. To that song can't be played on the American English dub. So it's it's mind shattering. It 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 infuriating if I'm honest. But that was Funimation's like wading into the pool of originals. And all these and both Funimation and Crunchyroll, their attempt at doing this was an attempt to have perennial things that people liked on their platform for the same reason that, um, any streaming company does it, especially, especially actually Netflix, because the majority of what's on Netflix is what they can license. And that's the majority of what's on an anime streaming company's an anime streamer um, service, too. But th- if all this stuff drops out, like if all those licenses go away, and this is only a theoretical thing, it most likely won't happen, but it could if all those licenses vanish. Then, services like Netflix are left with, at this point, a lot of Netflix originals. There's still plenty of stuff to watch there, but they're left with a vastly reduced catalog. So when they kind of realized this existential singular point of failure, they went out and they chain they kind of changed the game their own game with House of Cards. Th- what you see in the originals in, for, uh, like, Dimension W and later High Guardian Spice, the dumpster fire that that thing is, or Freak Angels, the bigger dumpster fire that that is. Most of the Crunchyroll originals are dumpster fires, is what I'm telling you. Even something like God of High School, while interesting as a concept, as a show, it is boring and sin. <laughs> And that's them trying to shore up their own back catalog so they have more to offer a theoretical a theoretic theoretically to a customer. Whether that customer wants those things or not is a little besides the point in the executive's head. They just need stuff on that service that will stay on that service. So you get things like High Guardian Spice, you get things like Dimension W, you get things like Freak Angel. If if you've been paying attention of the, of those three dimension W, it's the best thing on that list of three. Now you you swap over to something like Netflix, and you think it gets better because they have Castlevania. But what Netflix has done is they bought the permanent rights to certain things, so it gets murky as to what's the quote unquote original and what's. Netflix produced so it will live on that service. That's smart on their part. But they also they've also done things like hoops, which is unwatchable, or like that QPD thing, which is as far as I can tell, also unwatchable. So they're not batting a thousand on the animated side either. Now what Netflix is key point doing that um Funimation went to Japan, hired a Japanese studio, said make us this thing and that studio made that thing like that was they had actual anime produced Crunchyroll it has skirted it, skirted, it certainly skirts the line with God of High School it straight up said this is not an anime property this, isn't, this is a anime inspired western cartoon in the kind of Rebecca Sugar mold and style of like say Steven Universe with High Guardian Spice Freak Angels no one wants to touch with a ten foot fucking pole. <laughs> Honestly. It's it's so bad. It's so fucking stunningly bad. Um it, from like like yeah yes, I respect the fact that animation is hard. But y'all, like that thing needed some more time in the oven, is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> but the thing that Netflix is doing that none of the other that the other ones the other streamers who are in the anime originals game aren't doing it that they're trying to pass things that aren't anime off as anime because they recognize the value of the primary noun of anime being attached to something like Castlevania. Castlevania is a Western production. there is nothing wrong with it the fact that it is a beautiful She's, like, animated property that is produced primarily in Texas. Are there moments of inspiration from anime? Absolutely. Is it inspired by... Is it an adaptation of a Japanese famous video game? Absolutely. But it is an American production. And you really need to look no further to see that than the script. The script is so profane and so up a wall, that it's like... It, it, this is not what a Japanese company would produce, and this is not what a... What people who dub anime would produce in reaction to it, because the Japanese company would not allow it. And... So they're, like, trying to... Essentially, the best way I can come for it... Best phrase I can come up for it is anime wash certain animated properties, they want to be successful in a certain niche market. And that has worked for them, unfortunately, for the rest of us, to some extent. But, what we have with Pantheon is different. We have a, we have a property that, um, AMC just greenlit and funded. And it's based off of stories by, um, based off of short stories by Ken Liu. It came out, Kind of in the... It came out in 2022, early 2022. And it's just a good sci-fi thing, y'all. It's just a good sci-fi, cyberpunk story about the future of what AI could be. And about, like, human consciousness being digitized. And the way that looks is so great that if I had to guess, AMC kind of put it on all of its services so it ends up on High Dive as well as AMC Plus as well as I think it's even on like Hulu. Like you can watch this thing a lot of places. I believe it did well enough because of that largely, because of the exposure it had That's getting another season. But, and I'm, this is really important. So much of what's produced ...in the age of streaming... ...acts like it's going to get another season... ...so it doesn't... ...it doesn't go hard enough... ...fast enough... Uh, ...a great example of this is... ...and it got a second season because... ...fucking God knows why... Um, ...Pacific Rim Black... ...starts at things all over the place... ...in its first season... ...and then resolves... ...none of those storylines... ...none of them... ...it has a... ...climax technically... But it's, it, it knows that in like a year or two, it's just going to get another season because that's how Netflix worked at the time. That is less true now with the way Netflix has been like, we got to do cost, cut, and measures, yo. But it's still pretty true. Like, it's still pretty like people act, act like the party's never going to stop. and one of the And that's one of the things that people have come to like. But it's also a curse because you have people making inherently incomplete arcs. Like this, the, quite often in things, there is no conclusion because they know they because they want you to watch the next season, which they've already been approved for. Um. Uh, yeah. As good as Foundation was, uh, um, Apple the Apple TV sci-fi original thing. That thing. Ends on a cliffhanger because what Apple did is it re- it auto renewed everything for like three seasons. So th- the creators, of course, they were going to take their time. They have all the time in the world to get to what comes after the last scene of fucking Foundation. As I sit, as I and anybody who watched that show sits here and waits for it, which sucks as a viewer. Um, and and oftentimes was not the promise of streaming, of streaming, of binge culture, so to speak. Pantheon doesn't suffer from that problem. So I'm going to give a brief um, explanation of kind of overarching story of Pantheon. In the near future, it is possible to digitize people's consciousness. But it's only possible by essentially killing the body and extracting the consciousness in the process. and the person who one of the people who developed this who who developed this who solves the problem of who cracked the code of how to do this is a pretty well is a is a pretty old hand programmer by the name of David Kim and David Kim is a employee at this company called Logarithms. And Logarithms is... It's like a stand-in for the big amorphic tech company, the like of which a company like Hulu from the Silicon Valley, from Silicon Valley that um Judd Apatow send up of Silicon Valley that's a comedy on HBO is. If you've seen that show... Logarithms is like a serious attempt at like a a huli kind of thing. And Logarithms is run by a visionary tech founder who is dollars for donuts, just a a take on we're going to make our own Steve Jobs. And his name is Stephen Holstrom. And Stephen Holstrom is dying. It, it every time you encounter Stephen holstrom, he's dying, and Stephen Holstrom conceives of the possibility of uploading someone's consciousness, but never solved but never solved it before he died. David Kim many years later solves it. David Kim also is dying. he has cancer of some kind, incurable he is When you first see him, he's in the hospital and he is clearly going to die. It is everything about the show says, like, says at the point you meet the main character, Maddie Kim, his daughter, he's already dead. But as a last ditch effort later, a little later on, you as a last effort to like. To be there for his family he said i'm dying anyway i'm the perfect candidate for upload for for upload and if you've seen the show upload on the comedy show upload on um amazon prime the uploading process is essentially the same there except they take only the brain not the whole fucking head <laughs> which is wild um, and you, you come to find out so the only way to upload someone's consciousness is to take us to scan their brain layer by layer, necessarily peeling the brain away layer by layer until it's all gone. And there's lots of ways this could fucking fail in the process. and in the process the body dies like that once you are uploaded your body is a uh, no go there is no way for you to get back they only have a way in they don't have a way out yet it's very similar once again to upload in the very first in one of the very first gags of upload they have a rich guy try to download back into a body and the bot and like he gets stuck in the body and lives for about 5 seconds before he explodes like a water balloon full of Kool-Aid. It's disgusting. It's horrifying. It's kind of hilarious because of the way that show goes. But long and short of it is, David Kim elects to be the kind of guinea pig because he's going to die anyway, and he would rather take this chance, take this risk, than slowly die in a hospital, which is understandable. As somebody spent a lot of time in fucking very depressing hospital room. Um, it goes bad. They think that they didn't do it. They think that it didn't succeed. And the show is very clear, and this is important, it's very clear about when a corporation is lying and when a corporation telling the truth because it wants you to know That difference. So when Logarithms comes back to Ellen, um, Maddie's mother and David's now widow, and says, it didn't work. We don't know why. This is all that's left. And gives her essentially like almost a cross between a Casio keyboard and a xylophone with transparent green xylophone keys. That is essentially the hard drive that David is supposed to be on or was supposed to be on. And Maddie doesn't know this. Maddie, the main the main character, Maddie Kim, doesn't know this. So she is going through real grief. And so is Ellen because she believes that like her her husband died in an attempt to still be with them. And she's now pissed because logarithms helped him make that choice wrongly in the name of progress, quote unquote. And so she stuffed that thing just like in a drawer somewhere. Just like, fuck this noise. we I mean, Fuck this thing. I'm keeping it because it, it is, represents my dead husband, but it ne- will never be my dead husband. And they, the the show is very clear. Logarithms is not lying at this point. And Maddie is also... But meanwhile, Maddie is also a teenager. And in present day, because this is all explained through various flashbacks, she is having a hard time at school because she's lost her father. It's been years and she can't get over it because it was her dad. It's like, it's a, that shit is always a big deal. And as someone who is lost a couple people who, is lo- who, is, who has seen a lot of death in his life. Not even a couple, not even, like, two or three. Like, I have known people, and then they have not been. A fuck of a lot. <laughs> it comes with the territory of being a cancer survivor, unfortunately. Um, that feeling never goes away. But when you're already a moody kid... It's even fucking worse. And so now she's a weirdo in her own class and she's getting like relentlessly bullied and cyber bullied in class. And one day she's just talking to a random guy on a chat board because she, she is, takes after her father and her father gave her an old laptop before he died and said, fix it up. It'll give you something to do. It'll give you something that will remind you of me. And she does that and she's using this laptop and she's talking to this random person and it becomes apparent to Ellie's mom that like through some like tech chicanery that um, who you come to find out is the actual upload of David does to help his kid. Ellie's like, Ellie realizes Ellen realizes that David is very much alive and is his consciousness is is basically on the internet, on the world wide web, essentially. And she goes back to logarithms. She's like, What the fuck did you guys do? I saw he was gone. And they're like, He We may have accidentally had a backup because company policy and we just didn't tell you. And One thing leads to another, and Maddie learns about another, um, person who was uploaded, um, a character named, I believe it's Lori Lowell. And her her husband, Co- Cody Lowell. And Lori was a day trader who was forcibly uploaded by her financial firm after she was in a brutal car accident with her husband, with, with her, um... With her long term, I with her husband, I don't think with her pretty new husband, who was like an artist recording guy, and she was made to be a round the clock trader by this company that took that took possession of her not dead but certainly lifeless like comatose body, Force uploaded her into the system into a system. And kept her hostage, essentially. This also happened on the other side of the world, in India, to a, um, to a character who you meet named Chanda, who was part of Alliance Telecom, a uh, competing, uh, competing tech firm to Logarithms. Only Chanda wasn't even in an accident. He just got, you know, absconded with to a broom closet where they force uploaded him line by line While he was conscious, which is excruciating, which is in the show, excruciating to watch because they show it to you. And that's the first time you see what it means to actually be uploaded in this show's context. And between these three, these are three characters, these are three characters who you meet, who are referred to as UIs. Upload, I I think they mean uploaded individuals. And the show from the moment you kind of meet Chanda, they kind of treat them as digital gods. Like they become omnipotent beings that are that every comp- every country across the world is using to their own ends. And sometimes those com- and those countries are forcibly scripting people and also saying, you know, if you, up, if you upload, we will erase all your crimes. You'll live in absolute luxury with no want, no, no, no nothing. You know, like, you, you'll want for nothing. You'll get whatever you want. You'll live in a complete Disneyland fantasy for yourself. And you see this in the form of a Russian hacker who got uploaded so he could live in a lap of luxury and he like, has hookers every like every second of every day. He like everything is there for him for him to live his best life. You also see this in the form of people were forcibly uploaded from China doing cyber doing cyber warfare. But the core thing is, it's the thing that Stephen Holstrom couldn't figure out. There were two things that Stephen Holstrom couldn't figure out. He couldn't figure out exactly how to reliably upload people, but he also couldn't figure out how to solve for a fundamental flaw that essentially put a started a stopwatch once somebody was uploaded. Once somebody was uploaded, there was a certain amount of time before their consciousness would degrade and essentially... Poof! Evaporate. They would. They would die, so to speak, in the digital world. They would. The. It, it's kind of like digital versions of Laser rot. It. The files would corrupt to such a point that it was unusable. And at the same time, all this is happening in the show. You have. Logarithms attempt to create essentially the next generation of Stephen Holstrom. Uh, Stephen Holstrom 2 electric boogaloo edition, basically. And they... So they genetically engineered this. They genetically engineer this kid in a vat named Caspian Keys, And they have two deep cover fucking employee agents who are like Holstrom fucking devout devotees who pretend to be his parents so they can essentially... And they have a girl who they hire, uh, like actress who they hire to be his girlfriend. So they can pull him through an approximation of Holstrom's life. So they can essentially control all the variables and create another perfect copy through genetic and social engineering of Stephen Holstrom. Just name something different. And that storyline intersects with the UI storylines and makes this really great, really riveting, full thing. And what I find really interesting is you watch this thing and AMC could have pulled the same thing. They could have demanded that... Sentai Film work, you know, publicize this thing, scream this, scream this thing from the roof, and say, this is a new anime. This is a AMC-produced anime. And AMC has the kind of chops to do that. They did Breaking Bad. They did, um, Mad Men. They are, they like, they are a huge part of the prestige tef- TV golden age, so to speak. But they didn't. If you go on the Wikipedia page, this is called a adult American animation. An American adult animation. Sci-fi drama. They, they're not cheap. It's not that all the anime, all the quote-unquote anime originals that, like, Netflix says it's producing but aren't really anime originals. They're, like, some hybrid at best. At worst, they are out of a studio in Texas. And aren't great. It's that they're trying to... They're trying to force something to be a marketing term when it wasn't a marketing term to begin with. Anime refers to a very specific thing. And yes, there are anime-inspired things like... um, Avatar The Last Airbender. Like Steven Universe. Like... All these things. But we have to start letting these things stand by themselves and stand as themselves. Because the issue isn't whether or not Castlevania is an anime. Not really. It's whether or not it's any good. And Castlevania is really good. And labeling it as anime... Puts it in the same vein as something like Dragon Ball Z, or puts it in the same vein as something like Fairy Tail. And if you hold Castlevania and Fairy Tail next to each other, Castlevania is gonna be the better one every time. <laughs> Fairytale's still good. It, it has its good points, its bad points. But Castlevania is really fucking brilliant. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be bogged down by the, like, we're playing this marketing game to try and get, trick people into watching it. And too... Un- to. Netflix's credit, I will say, it took me a while to watch Pantheon. I watched it a while ago at this point, but it took me a while to finally like be like, oh, someone said sung this thing's praises from the rooftops. I'm going to go watch this fucking thing finally. Same, same is true of Hitmonkey. I'm finally watching Hitmonkey, and I love it. But that's less of a failure of what we're calling this stuff and more of a failure of companies trust in animation as a medium because that's what makes anime anime truly is that and that's what American animation and animation in other parts of the world is catching up to in various ways, shapes and forms is Anime is seen as a medium for storytelling and an art form in Japan and Japan has a culture that's set up to allow people to perfect crafts as if, and, and that is honored in the same way that like a money-making, that like a super money-making profession, like, um, say stock trading it. In fact... In many ways, it's more honored than that. And as much as American, as people in America like to say, like, oh, you're a day trader means you're a scumbag, like, money still talks so loud here that, yeah, day traders are... Pe- yeah, Wall Street bros are pieces of shit, but they're pieces of shit who can afford housing. They're pieces of shit who who are... ...deemed valuable by society. Now, granted, animators in Japan are paid like shit. The anime industry is paying people like shit all up and down. All up and down the line. Really. Voice actors are paid better than animators, but I'm fairly certain they're probably not even paid that well. But the... ...expectation of society is when you're, you're doing a job that requires craft or skill in Japan, is not, you're useless, you're, you, you, you could have been a doctor, you could have been a day trader, it's, that's an honorable profession, let's give you room to do that, that's how you get masters and gardeners who can live in Japan. And that extends to the way they treat things like animation. And yes, it's had years of cultural cachet that now make it valuable to the society, the cultural export. But them doing that for years and society accepting that like this is an art form and a craft that people can excel at is what gets you to things like Evangelion is what gets you to things like the universe of shows that is, and films that is Gundam, is what gets you to like the stuff that's on now. That is like all walks of life, all levels of maturity. There's something. There's something in the anime universe for everybody, and we're getting there. In the western animated front. But even if you look at quote unquote adult animations. And I talked about this on a previous Sunday episode. The problem with western adult animations. Even if you look at adult animations. Like quote unquote adult. Does not mean they're actually considered thoughtful things for grown ups. It means that they're allowed to use 14 year old sex and poop jokes. In their, in, in, in their scripts. And yes, that can be funny, but it's also not, it's also not, it's also not quote-unquote mature in the way that something like A Silent Voice is, where A Silent Voice is about like growing up with disabilities, about, you know, like regretting your life choices, is about Trying like trying to really see somebody for who they are and all of this other stuff. It's not even it, most uh, quote unquote like Fox animation nation shows aren't even something like say Sailor Moon, which is which it is especially in its earlier episodes. Looks at real issues that like teenage girl's experience. Looks at, like, all of that stuff. And yes, wraps it up in, like, a superhero show and, like, a magical girl show. But it's still having that conversation. Even something like Card Capture Sakura. Is... That show is a lot about Sakura growing up. And, like, experiencing things and shit like that. Yes, they tried to adapt that on Kid WB and turned it into card capture, and hacked the shit out of it and gave it a hilarious English opening that I still love but like for years at this point we as anime fans have experienced this stuff that is, have experienced properties that say okay we're not going to treat animation like a genre in the way that, like, Family Guy does, in the way that even something as recent as Velma does, which is really painful to see, um, we're going to treat animation as a medium for storytelling. And right out the gate, we're going to tell you, like, like, there's going to be an agreement that that's what we're doing. So we'll be able to do things that we wouldn't, nor- that we couldn't do if that wasn't the truth. But because it's a medium of animation... We have so many more vi- tools to tell the story we want to tell, and you can be way more obtuse and metaphorical with stories in animation because it's a it's a blank page essentially. You're not dealing with the constraints of reality or what you can or how much time it would take to CGI generate this wicked explosion. It's all going to take time. It's just that's the nature of animation. Animation is at its core an understanding of time and its manipulation to portray reality. Um And we're catch and so what you see in things like Pantheon is you see the American animation canon catching up. You see it saying Oh, we could tell this story. We could tell this story in live action. In fact, in many ways, that has been done by, um, by the Amazon Pro- the aforementioned Amazon Prime show uploads. Like, it's got a very similar bend. It's, com- it's comedy-based, so it's different. But it has a lot of the same plot points, almost, in, in certain ways, just way lower stakes. But because we're doing an animation, we we can take our our imagination and run with it. And we can do things that would be cost prohibitive otherwise. And just because of the effects budget of maybe like a that you would have on a TV show. And that's really cool to see. And it's even cooler to see that Pantheon at least made such an impression on whoever, like, saw the end product, where they just said, like, no, we don't need to play marketing tricks with this. We just need to put it out there, and it will be liked. Like, it doesn't... Whoever saw Pantheon liked it enough to not ask, does this count as anime? And I'm sure that people people in charge over at Sentai watch Pantheon, they're like, oh, we... To love anime, to love animation, this is a great piece of animation. Put it on the site. Now, like I said, these projects need more publicity as part of why I'm doing this episode. Because... there comes a point where... Anime is now. Anime is right now in a boom time. It is in. It's not quite in a bubble. It doesn't feel like that, although it can feel like that at moments. But it's in a. It's in, It's in a like. It's in an era where it's a big deal. But that doesn't mean that stuff that is clearly inspired by it, like this this show clearly takes inspiration from things like Ghost in the Shell and other cyberpunk anime of that ilk. It's in full conversation with that stuff, in fact. But that doesn't mean that, like, companies like AMC shouldn't be, like, saying, okay, we're going to do a billboard by for Pantheon. And maybe Pantheon Season 2 gets that billboard. Maybe Hitmonkey Season 2 gets that billboard once they've proven themselves. But, and this is where I'll end it. The problem with that is, is that there is so much out there and there is so much kind of flooding the zone constantly and competing for your attention that If enough people's attention don't go... If enough people don't know that their attention could be going to an amazing cyberpunk, sci-fi show about the future of AI and the future of human consciousness like Pantheon, then they'll just go watch something else. There's enough out there. And... I encountered Pantheon a bunch of times and just didn't click on it. It took a YouTube reviewer saying, essentially what I'm saying to you right now, go watch this show, please. It's incredible for me to go on High Dive and intentionally click on it and watch it all. But so many people just haven't signed up for High Dive. And yes, I think Pantheon is on, like, Pantheon is kind of everywhere AMC is, which is great for it. But they should, like, they should be letting people know about this stuff. They should be taking, like, I suspect we'll see more high budget animation because animation is kind of work from home proof in that, like, it can be produced without all the people in the same room. And often was before the pandemic and certainly is now. And that means less overhead costs in the form of an office and getting people to a set and all that shit. But, like, you look at something like Pantheon. And you look at something like, um, something like, even like Hitmonkey. And... Unless you are in, like, the world I'm in, unless you're in the world we're in, because if you're listening to this podcast, you are a giant fucking nerd. I'm sorry to inform you if you haven't figured it out already. You are, unfortunately, an otaku like me. Welcome to it. We're having jackets made. It's fine. People think you're cool. People think what you like is cool. (laughs) You will be stunned at that fact. I promise you. I am every day. Why are you listening to me? I'm a total fucking dork talking about anime on the internet. But we know about this stuff because we follow this stuff. And the internet is very good at figuring out right now, at this point, at figuring out kind of, sort of, what you might like. What putting in front of you might be beneficial. To the thing that it's putting in front of you. But there are people all the time who might might love this thing or might love that thing and don't see it because it's being marketed to, it's being marketed to, or not marketed at all, and it's just showing up in front of naturally a very thin slice of the possible viewing audience. So this is where I'll kind of end it. One of the things that I like to do when I'm recommending something to somebody is I will straight up ask them, like, okay, what's, what are some of your favorite things? Like, what are your, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite song? Like, the, cultural touch points. And then I will, like, my Rolodex will spin and I'll find a thing that fits one of their favorite things. I'll say, oh, Here. Go watch this. And oftentimes people are like, I've never heard of this. And if they watch it, they come back to me and they're like, that was fucking incredible. What else you got? And then I'll roll the actual spin again and I'll give them something else. That's... And oftentimes when people ask me to recommend anime, I'm like, well, what... 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 What do you like? What's your favorite movie? And people are stunned at that because oftentimes when you ask, when people ask other anime fans to recommend anime, they're just like, oh, go watch Full Metal. Go watch, go watch one of the classics. And that's not the way you get people into anime. That's, that's how we got into anime. The way you get people into anime is you say, oh. So you really like Pantheon. Okay. What did you like about it? And they tell you. And then maybe you send them a... As they say one thing, you say, okay, go watch Sword Art Online. Because the part of Pantheon that if they like that part will connect them directly to something like Sword Art Online. And then you can go from there. Oh, you like this part. This aspect of it. You really love that part. Go watch Ghost in the Shell. Or go watch this. Or go watch that. Oh, you like this? Go watch that. Oh, you like this? Go like that. Oh, this is your favorite kind of music? Okay, go check out this. It's got incredible music. Oh, you really into punk rock and all that aesthetic? Fucking, how have you not seen Nana? Here's how you go watch it. And what you're doing there is you're using the real strengths of anime, and that is that it is a medium. And with something like Pantheon, you're seeing that animation is, Western animation is starting to finally get the picture. Now, and I wrote an article about this that um, makes me a professional anime writer, I suppose, because I got money enough money on it on, off that article to, like, buy breakfast one day. Um, I'm not kidding. About anime and the Oscars. And the issues with why anime doesn't win... Why anime doesn't win many Hollywood awards. And that's because people in those committees, in those awards committees, are treating it like a... Are treating those shows like... treating animation like a genre when it is a medium. So they would treat something like Pantheon. They're like, oh, this cartoon thing? Here, kid. They'll give it to their kids and they'll say, you watch it. What do you think of it? And it's not the kids' fault they like the Pixar thing. The Pixar thing is designed to be for them. It's not the kids' fault. They're not that they don't have enough Sophistication to enjoy like bubble, which I would argue not a great film, but to enjoy something like bubble, or to enjoy something like um like uh like Jinro or something insane. Because they just haven't had enough time watching shit. I mean, I only did this podcast after I was like many hundreds deep into watch into anime shows I've watched. Like I've watched, I've probably watched more anime than you, bro. It's it's how I can do this podcast. And I guess that's where I'll leave it, is that like if you really if you're really into sci fi stuff, if you're really into Cyberpunk stuff, give Pantheon, a shot. It's on High Dive. You can. W- it's on a bunch of things. But I know it's on High Dive. It's probably on Hulu too. If you, if I stop and think about it, but kind of anywhere there's AMC stuff, Pantheon will be, and it's worth it. i also pretty sure it's on. Actually, I know it's on um, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime Video, so you can watch it there. It's probably easier to watch there because High Dive um, interface is a little fucked up, but. <laughs> um yeah give it a watch it's definitely worth your time and um oh the last thing i'm gonna say here before i like do the outro is i've got a really special interview episode coming up that um once i do it in about a week i will try to get it in the sunday edition so keep an eye out for an interview i'm not gonna say with who yet but I'm really excited about, it, so I wanted to let you know about that before I say this, because if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every third day and every other Sunday, and Thursday editions are more like this, they're more about a specific show of property, Sunday editions are more metatextual, they're more industry-based, they're much more broad, they can be about fandom, they can be about Usually if I do an interview, as I just said, it'll be in that because interviews are much broader than just, like, let's talk about anime for half an hour, although they can be that. If you want a good example of that, you can go listen to my interview with um, Cosplay Fiend from, of notable TikTok fame. Um, He's in a Sunday edition at some point, but until... Then, I've been Alex, this has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Meatloaf and mashed potatoes? I improvised. That's right, go back to your hordes!